0: Hey, everyone, welcome to this Chidao chat. We're joined today by Max from Barnbridge. Max, thanks so much for, for being here. Um, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so, I mean, to start off, I think it's good to always give an intro of who we are, Chidao. Uh, we are a stablecoin protocol on Polygon, and what we do is we allow people to log their tokens and then mint uh, stablecoins from the value of those stable tokens. So basically, you can use your tokens without selling them. Um, but moving into uh, Max, our guest here today. Uh, Max, I think it'd be great to hear about you, uh, a little intro about yourself and your, your story within, uh, within DeFi, how you got in. For sure. Uh,
1: so my name is Max Figa. I'm currently on the core team, uh, primarily working on the operations side of Barnbridge. Uh, I've been in crypto for three and a half years now. Essentially, I was a 2017 top buyer who, uh, decided to so stay around. <laughs> uh, did my research and in investing across the bear market and really fell in love with the DeFi side of things. Um, before joining Barnbridge, I was previously at uh, Deloitte working in a cyber consulting role. Uh, and right before Barnbridge, I was uh, kind of on the investing side uh, in the both crypto and video game space uh, at a small boutique firm called Signum Growth Capital. Um, I had the chance to join Barbridge uh, this March uh, after being a community member uh, since last September. And so um, it's been a real kind of pleasure, frankly, to kind of get on the building side of the space, uh, just having been an observer and investor uh, for the three years prior, right?
0: Nice, nice. So you've been here for a while, seen some some ups and downs, uh, definitely are the down we all saw a little bit ago, right? Um yeah, I mean, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about your your move from from Deloitte to crypto. I, f- I feel like that's a big change for a lot of people and something we've seen within the space.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I joined Deloitte back in 2018 and spent around 18 months there. And I would say the entire time there, I was definitely frustrated with um, kind of like opportunities for you know just being a bit more entrepreneurial within that type of bigger partnership. Um, And, you know, my my undergrad program was out at Georgetown, which isn't necessarily the biggest hub for startups either. And so both in my undergrad and that first job out of college, I was definitely kind of a bit impatient, uh, to to put it bluntly, uh, with kind of like the traditional, you know, industry paths that a lot of like my peers were going along. And so I think that's why I decided to stick around in crypto the way I did, just because, you know, if you have a Twitter account and you have an Internet connection and a MetaMask wallet, you're able to do so much more and just kind of build your own brand and just have actual impact, you know, as whether it's as a volunteer for a project or whether it's, you know, an analyst that provides really key insights uh, publicly, you know, not even behind a paywall. right? I think those are all very crypto unique to crypto things. And it's what really kept me kind of going through the bear market uh, and just driving uh, kind of my, my interest in the space and wanting to be a bigger part of it.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. I uh, think I've heard of that school, Georgetown. Uh, but. <laughs>
1: Hoya Saxa, right?
0: Right. No, I, I definitely agree. I think a lot of people just kind of have flow into, you know, consulting, investment banking and in, but it's a very cool way of, like, early on being able to, like, create so much value, right? Yeah. Oh,
2: can you dive a little bit deeper into, you said you were a community member for Barnbridge and that bridged over now to working with Barnbridge. Well, what was that like? How did you kind of really start with the community? What were things that you were doing in the community that Barnbridge was like, hey, that seems like somebody we would want to bring on board?
1: Sure. Um, So, yeah, I had essentially joined the Discord back in September and just had made an active effort in engaging conversations in the community, uh, answering people's questions when they weren't, um, when when court wasn't available and things like that. Small kind of glue activities, as we used to say, uh, basketball, right? Just kind of doing small. Type of person that is really receptive to you know the bits and pieces that come up for and being able to kind of condense that into more um, accessible material and conversations for folks who might just be dipping into Discord to check what's up, but you know might not necessarily commit to like digging deep or thinking about what the long term vision for a project could be. Um, so I did that for a few months. Uh, just kind of uh, on my own time, um, I reached out to the team uh, come uh, this past March uh, and just asked if I could do that more um, formal formal role. Um, and I think what really stands out, you know, it's when confirmed, you know, by me joining, is it, kind of this uh, ethos behind the project.
0: Cool. Hey, uh, are you having a connection issue, Kila? Are you able to hear? Okay.
2: I, it was it was chopping in and out. I um, wasn't sure if I was on on my end or, or on yours. But um, uh, what I heard, I enjoyed. but um, well, it seems like yeah, you you were you were an active you know active member of that of that community, and so okay, just just being like being there, um, answering answering questions. Wait, what what drove you to be a part of that Discord versus all the other Discords? Or were you also a part of a bunch of different Discords, but you just kind of fell in love with fell in love with one?
1: So I really was only at one, oh. primarily for two reasons. Um, the first thing that drew me to the project was, you know, I have my own view of oh, yeah. where DeFi is going.
2: Sorry, Max. I think I think we're having a little bit of of a connection. Yeah, I think
0: the um, the connection is okay because I can see this video. I think the voice is coming in and out. Uh, yeah. Is it any better now? It's perfect now. Yeah.
1: Okay. they fall out of my ears a little bit. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. No worries. Um, so yeah, I, I can re- restart that uh, that segment. Um, so I was drawn to Barnbridge first of all. You know. Kind of more so than any other project at the time, because my view on DeFi is the future is very um, kind of PvP versus PvE. I think Degen Spartan says that a lot, but you know, apps that actively position different user profiles against each other and um, kind of pit that difference, I think, is the future of where DeFi is going. And that's why Barnbridge really stuck out to me as something you know that has a long-term sustainable vision. Um, but the flip side of that also was that my view was that the way, um, the Barnbridge token distribution and the Barnbridge kind of, uh, roadmap were laid out where that was incredibly, uh, community friendly, you know, only 22% of token supply was earmarked for insiders. Um, and the whole kind of flow of how the product was launched was predicated around the formation, uh, there's no legal. Named Barnbridge it is purely an on chain entity. So I, I think outside projects to support that would be cool.
2: Sorry, Max, we're having those uh, issues again. Same
0: here. I don't know if uh, it's the headphones or. How about now? Yeah, now it's good. It's good. I think okay. it's in and out. Yeah, we're good now.
1: Okay. And so, yeah, it was that combination of the use case and the actual implementation um, of kind of, like, the the project management that attracted me to commit to Discord the way. I did.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, a lot uh, of people, like, ask us, you know, where, where do you work? And it's like, you know, it's not a company, it's not anything, it's just something in the on, on chain. And they're like, what chain? You know, like, chain. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, man. I think it's definitely the future of how you know, um, customers and employees, investors, everybody kind of like interacts with each other. I think it's some pretty cool things that might be taken off chain later on.
1: Absolutely, and the flexibility of it is really cool. Um, we've already had instances of community members stepping up for specific roles, uh, and you know, once once they're approved to do so, it's just a matter of sending them USDC or bond intervals and right, you're able to get to work
2: immediately
1: kind of company. Right. So it's definitely an interesting experiment for sure.
0: Cool. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we would all really like to hear about Barnbridge and what you guys are doing. Cause you are doing a lot of things. You have a lot of different products. Uh, so could you dive deep into that a little bit?
1: Sure. Um, so what Barnbridge is actually doing, various different applications, uh, is pull different uh, user profiles together, engage in these risks.
0: Hey, I think we're having the the microphone they thing. Go. I don't know. if I think it might be the microphone. Maybe if you connect yeah. to your computer on the microphone, it might be better.
1: Um, is this any better?
0: Yeah, that's much better.
2: Oh, yeah. There you go. Great.
1: Um, so, yeah, well, essentially what we do at Barnbridge with our various applications is we create marketplaces for risk. Um, so I can give an example with our first live application, which is called Smart Yield. Um, what Smart Yield does is essentially create two user profiles. So we refer to those as the senior and the junior tranche. Um, and one side is taking a one view on the market for the interest rates that we're essentially biding up. And the other side is taking a different view. And from that difference, that's where you get this opportunity for alpha essentially. And so uh, like the, the simple explanation for smart yield is that we are essentially offering one side fixed income. Uh, the senior side is essentially saying we will accept lower than market rate um, interest rates on things like compound USDC or Aave Dai. Uh, but in exchange, we want, you know, a fixed guarantee in the case of markets uh, going lower for those interest rates. Then on the flip side, we have the junior trunk. Uh They are taking the view that um, you know, interest rates will be going higher in the future and they want levered variable exposure to that. They're willing to take the risk of being wrong on that. Uh, and what this system allows, because you now have two sides of a marketplace essentially going against each other, is that we're able to offer, uh, fixed income, um, to those seniors without necessarily, uh, conjuring that from anywhere. You're, you're, you're selling risk from one side to the other. Um, and it's this type of PVP, uh, platform that I think is really compelling, uh, for DeFi's future, right? Because m- imagine having these types of apps being accessible to capital all across the world. Anywhere with an internet connection, right? And all the different types of views people might express by going into the senior and junior side. Um, and so that's kind of the view we take for the other applications we're working on as well.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear. And uh, you guys are launching soon in Polygon, right?
1: Right. So that smart yield product currently exists on mainnet. Uh, and we're excited to be bringing it to Polygon uh, within the next two weeks. And I don't want okay. the dev team to get too mad with me on <laughs> I'm putting on putting deadlines. Uh, and then we will right. also be You're launching
2: right. uh, in two weeks, guaranteed. Right? Guaranteed. Yeah, you now? know,
1: gu- gu- gun to my head. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then alongside that smart yield launch, uh, we're launching another product which is called Smart Exposure, uh, which we're, we're a little bit mum about at the moment. But essentially, it should be on Polygon as well within you know three or four weeks um, as well. Uh, and we're really excited about you know bringing these products to Polygon because I think our products, especially on mainnet, uh, we're kind of at the mercy of gas prices. Um, right, and so I think that the user behaviors that have become possible on Polygon uh, will be quite interesting, um, especially since um, we'll have like this direct A/B testing. Right, uh, users will be able to use Smart Yield for Mainnet Ave as well as Polygon Ave, you know, right off the bat. Um, and so we're interested to see what kind of changes occur as a result of like the different environment. Um, as a result.
0: That's great. Yeah, I think a lot of people are moving over and it's, it's proven very successful. Let's just look at Aave, right? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, we've definitely been super happy to see that, um, you know, Aave TVL on Polygon is, is really closing in on v 2s right? Um, I think the implications of that, you know, haven't really been considered by Ultimate people, like I think it surprised a lot of people, but it definitely opens up these more complex uh, user behaviors that kind of are possible now that you don't have to pay gas. Um, and I can dive a little into that. Um, for example, are the senior side of smart yield, right? This, this fixed income side. Uh, for a lot of folks on mainnet, it almost didn't make sense to engage, uh, simply because, you know, let's say you're getting, $500 on a $10,000 principle. Well, if it costs you $500 in gas to get in, you know, when gas is peaking last month or so, uh, that's, it's not feasible for you, right? It's this tax. Whereas on Polygon, um, that same individual, whether it's a thousand dollars or $10,000, um, can simply, use this as somewhat of a savings vehicle, right? And if they can get a 5% interest rate, then they know at the end of the day, that's really what they're getting. You know, they don't have this gas tax in mind. And then for larger players, what gets interesting is um, this kind of concept of just doing rolling fixed income bonds, right? Maybe you only lock in a rate for a given week. And every week mm-hmm. you decide what stable coin has the better rate for that week, and you lock that one in. Um, you know, in practice, like on mainnet, that's 52 weeks worth of transactions, and that gas adds up. Whereas here, that's not a problem, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: exactly. So, so we're just excited to see what that looks like in in the wild, right? Ultimately, you know, we we have our theories about what plays out, but um, it it's going to be exciting once things are launched and live, and you have real users using real money, right?
0: Yeah, no, I think a lot of people, even within Chidao, the team and the community have been uh, I mean, waiting for that to launch. So we're really excited for you guys coming on to Polygon. Um, are, are you guys a big team or a small team? Are you spread out? Can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, kind of what it's like to work at Barnbridge? Sure.
1: So I would say the Barnbridge team is modular. Uh, so we're essentially comprised of three main groups. Uh, which is uh, kind of this core operations team I'm a part of. We number around uh, five or six folks, uh, six folks at the moment, and then we're flanked by two uh, core dev teams, uh, which is uh, Dmob out of Romania. Um, they're they're the ones who were kind of here at the beginning, and you know are a lot of like ex Consensus alumni. Um, and then alongside them, we also have the AtPar team out of Switzerland, um, and so. With this like, kind of modular approach, we're able to both work on different applications in parallel, which has been really key for us uh, as of late, um, because we are building two new applications that are set to launch sometime maybe in August or so. Once again, kind of uh, not, not over committing to anything, but... Um, and it's also been an interesting kind of look into, you know, I, I feel like you always see these fluff pieces about what the future of work looks like, um, and it's been really fun being part of a core team that spans God knows how many time zones, <laughs> uh, and is really able to work asynchronously uh, in, in a really productive and kind of like streamlined manner. Um, and I think for you know a lot of people thinking about DAOs in general today. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously this our core team is part of the larger Barnbridge DAO, but I think kind of like the practices and uh, kind of organizational structures that you're able to build in this type of kind of like remote first core team, they definitely mirror uh, into what DAOs can do, you know, as we build out further tooling and kind of make it easier for anyone to launch a DAO for anything, and have payrolling and different scheduling and all this type of stuff kind of baked into, uh, that DAO launching software that I think definitely a lot of different teams are are working on. Right. DAOs have definitely become like, a the, the, the buzzword du jour as as of late and for good reason, I I, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Way more efficient. And like, you don't have to get everybody together. If you're killer, you just work all time zones, like just no matter where you are, you just don't stop working. But, uh, for a lot of us, you know, <laughs> we, we, we take advantage of, you know, patching different time zones and kind of doing that. Right. Um, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about Polygon? So you guys are coming over. Why Polygon and not Phantom or, or another, another L2?
1: Sure. So uh, the way we put it at Barnbridge is that we are essentially kind of a, a um, liquidity layer too. Right. For for different um, platforms. What I mean by that is that our layer two fate is essentially determined by where these other pools of capital that we plug into go. Right. And so I think our relationship with Aave is a very strong one. And so Ave's move to Polygon, right, was like kind of determining factor for where we really focused our resources. Um and I think like in the long term, right, we, we go where the yield is in the case of smart yield, and we kind of go where the users are in general. Um because some some of our further applications will be our own pools, right? Um, and I think Polygon has done an exceptional job in kind of acquiring kind of the Ethereum community's trust. And really, kind of bridging the gap to layers two in a way that has been, um, you know, straightforward for a lot of people to make. Uh, and I, th- I think you see that from the usage; it's, it's clear up and to the right, right? Um, right. <laughs> so, so, because our existing app is Smart Yield, we followed where our existing integrations went, uh, which is Polygon at the moment. Um, and then the longer term view is that you know where users are—that's you know, that's where we'll try and be because that's where the yield is at the end of the day. Or the the opportunity for Alpha in the case of our, our other applications,
0: right? Yeah, no, definitely a lot of users on on Polygon. Maybe maybe too many. <laughs> uh, there's definitely really been a lot of usage last couple of days. So uh, exciting time to be launching things, right, Kila?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's never too many people. Never too many people, Ben. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just uh um, just uh, yes, uh, uh, Actually, that brings me brings me to a question that i have so now now since now since y'all are on polygon and with all of the benefits that polygon can kind of bring does that or has that changed the way that a Barnbridge strategy is being thought about Are different products and different pipelines are really kind of being pushed uh pushed out for you know for the future like next year or next two years is that uh, like the fact that uh, you are on polygon is it kind of change the way that you look at strategy now?
1: Um, I would say that it was kind of baked into the strategy to, to begin with, right? Because f- from our vantage point, if if we are plugging into other, you know, if we're just plugging into liquidity pools in general, then we become a, a, a follower, not a leader necessarily, in terms of like layer two uh, adoption. And so for us, you um, I think we're really happy that layer two adoption has been what it's been with Polygon because it almost gives us like a sigh of relief, right? Because it means that we are able to, kind of like in this early phase of right? we've only been live for three months now. Uh, An environment like Polygon, where you have this density of users, this density of uh, capital, but then the added benefit of layer two, we're able to see what concepts actually work versus those that don't without this kind of lingering thought of like, oh, well, if gas fees have been lower, would this have worked? You know, it allows for like a very pure, like kind of economic arena (laughs) for for lack of a better phrase. Um, And so I would say it's it's always kind of been in the back of our minds that layer two is where things are going. And we're happy that it has been Polygon, right? Because I think it has been a very uh, straightforward, like developer experience. and you know we don't necessarily have to go looking for users there, right? The users are there. And It's very clear that there, there's a market to build to there.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. But aside from from gas fees, what are some kind of challenges you've seen uh, in DeFi in general, not just Polygon? Um, and how are some ways you think that uh, the community should start trying to solve them?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say I think that the biggest challenge at the moment is that DeFi is very much in a transitionary period, um, and what I mean by that is the the old guard is aware we exist, right? Um, you've seen multiple banks like issue reports on DeFi in general, and even some projects get specific callouts, right? Like, um, like I think Nexus Mutual has been getting a lot of uh, I think is that like three like traditional bank research reports done on it recently. Um, which is a great sign for adoption. But, right, we're kind of like in this like kind of, I don't want to say no man's land because there's obviously so much development still going on. Uh, but you have this like clear contingent of uh, more trad entities that want to get a piece of this DeFi action. But for, you know, reasons that might have to do with their investment mandates or their compliance departments or uh, just like kind of the infrastructure available to them. Uh, To make those moves, those things are still kind of like being developed and getting streamlined. Right. And so I think as we think about, you know, where DeFi goes from last summer to next summer. Right. You know, assuming we are in this middle period, um, I think it it really behooves every project working in this space to kind of do their best effort at both educating those types of prospective users and making their platforms really accessible. Right. Like, you know, it's, it would be a shame if there's a great DeFi app that kind of gets overlooked because, you know, the marketing is not in line with like where all this new capital like might be comfortable with. Right. I think there are certain projects that fall (laughs) under that umbrella. Um, And then there are just cases where, um, There's a lot of things we take for granted in DeFi, right? Like, if I think back to a year ago, like before DeFi Summer, I think today is actually the anniversary of DeFi Summer starting, technically. But there's so many user practices that we're familiar with today, whether it's, you know, staking or kind of like farming practices and all that kind of good stuff, right, that a year ago took me like a few weeks to really wrap my head around. Um, and it's just important to like keep that in mind that you know as we're building progressively cooler and cooler things, um, especially with what layer two can enable in terms of m- more high frequency and uh, type transactions as well, uh, that we kind of keep in mind who we're building for. Because I think that audience shift is, is happening rapidly and probably more rapidly than most DeFi projects are kind of uh, considering, right? We're still kind of in this mindset of, you know, who was using DeFi uh, three, six months ago, right? Whereas the, this new cohort of potential users is coming and they have tons of capital that, you know, any, any project would be lucky to have.
0: <laughs> right. No, yeah, I, I think a hundred percent. If you go to some of these white papers, some of these docs, there's just so much like jargon thrown out. And, mm-hmm. um, you have kind of like two bodies of people, like the newcomers that are coming to Polygon because gas fees are so cheap and they want to learn more about, DeFi, but even some people that were like OGs in Ethereum, but they got priced out after a while, now coming in and trying to relearn things. And yeah, it it can be hard. It can, I think it can be hard to um, learn what you're doing and then start interacting because it's not like a bank. Like if you don't know what you're doing, you could lose a lot of money. Um, Exactly. So yeah. Especially if you're managing other people's money. (laughs) Right, right. And if you're trying to manage other people's money, uh, yeah, it's complicated.
2: Oh, what are some tips that you would give to projects kind of in this, like in this scenario that are trying to reach out to the broader audience? Are there, are there little tips and tricks that maybe you've learned from Barbridge or just from being in the community that you can, you can share?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Ben put it well, right. It's like this recognition that we use so much jargon and kind of the willingness to, to break it down before you, jump into your pitch, I think has been helpful for the conversations we've had at Barnbridge, right? Because we do use terminology that's familiar to traditional financial folks. You know, tranching is is very common in trad fi. Um, But the moment we say liquidity pool, right? Right. Everyone's like, what? (laughs) Or kind of like preempting questions as well, right? Like we understand where yields come from in defi. Uh, Outsiders do not. Like right. it is it is very much climbing a mountain to convince people that you know the yields in the current state, right? Like there are caveats to them, obviously, um, but there is still a market forming here. There's still true, like actual, like financial activity occurring, right? Um, And so I I guess it's less of a tip and more just like kind of like bringing that empathy to the table. You know, like you you might engineer the greatest DeFi app known to man, but this recognition that, um, you know, you really have to put in the work uh, to get across what you've built and kind of the ecosystem in which you have built is almost just as important. Um, And. Get, getting used to that right it requires a lot of patience right
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no, I, especially like even the most simple words right kill like stable coin <laughs> you try to tell something to like if you just say oh yeah cdp stable coin and you keep going and they're looking at you like you know you're speaking german <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh yeah true and a stable coin um so I guess Max on the on the flip side so that's something that the projects can do if, if there's a newcomer to to defi because I mean there's so much so much talk about it um where like where should they go to learn a little bit more or where did Max go to kind of dive in and learn more was it youtube was it medium articles were there certain um twitter accounts that you followed
1: mhm Uh, so for my own, like kind of personal journey, it was definitely like Twitter dominated, right? Like I spent years like curating the people I followed, um, and kind of just trying to glean alpha that way. But I think today, you know, the, the resources available to newcomers are are quite extensive. Like I'm always really happy to see what the type of content DeFi dad is posting on YouTube. Um, think the Defiant has a great, like, DeFi 101 series. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of a lot easier for folks to get up to speed than it was, like, a year ago, right? Um, that said, uh, using the applications is the only way you're going to, like, internalize these concepts, right? Like, impermanent loss doesn't mean anything until you've made some permanent loss, <laughs> in, right. in my opinion. Um, And with that in mind, I think I always just come back to the OG projects, right? Like whether it's Uniswap, Compound, Aave, um, because they kind of showcase the, the first principles DeFi is based around, right? Because mostly everything we do in DeFi today is based off of pooled liquidity that has some form of instructions for it and you can click them all together, right? Those three points underlie everything in DeFi in my opinion. Um and so just getting the the look and feel of that uh by using those applications after doing a little bit of like, you know, one on one research, I think is the best way uh for folks to get familiar with these platforms. And that's what I personally recommend, you know, like with if it's friends and family I'm talking to that, you know, think me working in crypto means I flip Dogecoin for a living, right? Like, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it''s it's important to like get kind of like get that across um, from like that first principles view and then a little bit of play money uh, and kind of going from there.
0: 100 percent yeah. Um, I did want to get your opinion on cheat out and you know stable coins in, in general what's your take? Sure. Uh,
1: so I think I can start with like the, the bigger picture question right which is um, stable coins. Uh, So when stablecoins, you know, kind of first made onto the scene, let's call it like 2018, I think a lot of us were, you know, kind of just rolled our eyes. Right. It's crypto. We're not here for dollars. What's the big deal? Uh, Two or three years later, I would say stablecoins are the biggest deal in crypto. Right. Because essentially, and I think this is played out in practice now. Right. Because when when you talk about stablecoins, everyone assumes you're talking about dollars. Um, and so when we look and when we look at that, I would say, you know, dollar den- denominates st- uh, stable coins take up the ma- vast majority of volume when it comes to stable coins in general. And so this raises a really interesting question, in my opinion, uh, for, you know, every non U.S. country. Right. Like there's a lot of economic activity to be had from having Internet connectivity but now you're essentially risking kind of like your monetary authority by the fact that anyone can pour dollars into any Ethereum wallet in the world. Now Uh, I think the implications of that are like, you know, just, just as relevant as like what Bitcoin presented to the system in the first place. Um, And so my view is that platforms like Cheetah, right, which allow for the creation of synthetic dollars on the basis of crypto assets, are really important in this wider context of kind of stable coins taking over the world, right? Like there's so many places in the world where people wish they had dollar savings accounts and they can't have them. Right. Um, and so I think as we look into the future, you know, one of the key pillars for DeFi growth, in my opinion, will be just this expansion of stable coins and stable coin oriented financial services, uh, that now are accessible to anyone with an internet connection. Um, And in that world, there's a spectrum, right? You know, you have stable coins that are backed by dollars in a US bank account. And then you get to kind of the more synthetic side of things, which I think is totally in line with, um, where the traditional world is already, right? You have dollars and you have euro dollars, right? Which is what a lot of the non US world rely on. Um, So in that context, I think Cheetah is really fascinating, right? Because I think there's going to be this vast, vast, vast market for dollar denominated stable coins going forward. And the reality is, you know, I don't think the kind of dollar one to one backed stable coins will be able to satisfy all that demand at all. Like it won't even come close. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how this market for stable coins matures. And I think Chidao takes a really interesting approach uh, by offering this ability to mint these synthetic dollars against a wide variety of crypto assets that, you know, have truly crypto native traction. Right. And I think it's going to be um, stable coins are relevant on any on any chain and on any layer, too. Um, and the synthetic approach is something that really interests me just because, you know, you, you automatically have something that kind of can keep up with the pace of crypto adoption in the, uh, in the world, right? Uh, there's more collateral, more chi, uh, related dollars can be minted. Um, and I think that's a powerful mechanism. Assuming everyone on this call thinks crypto is going big over the next decade, right?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. You definitely have to have a belief in the collateral, right? Mm-hmm exactly now and we're expanding i think it's it's important for um any project to be able to access the value of a stable coin because you know it's not just about because um, if you if you're buying usdc right it's one thing but if you're using your coin to make a stable coin you're creating a different kind of value right uh you'll be able to use it in different places um you're able to is there's a lot of more like utility that can come out of it right rather than just selling your token especially for smaller projects right that might not have um the flexibility to use their token for everything
1: right and i think it's it's an interesting lesson yeah. to be learned from the whole kind of like meme coin uh, popularity over the past few months, right? Because everyone looks at that and laughs, but I, I think there's like a kernel of truth there, right? Which is communities that are able to kind of will things into value. Um, that's going to be the case for crypto forever, right? Like anything that is internet native kind of revolves around those kind of network effects of the communities. And so I think this ability for communities to have the stable coin access through a kind of a shared belief in the collateral, um, is, is, is a powerful phenomenon, right? That, you know, I, I don't think has been like truly recognized just yet.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe bond is, is coming up. Who knows? Right. <laughs> <laughs> would, would be um, nice to see. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Um, how, how else do you think that maybe uh, Dao and Bond might be able to uh, collaborate on some things that would be exciting for the community?
1: Sure. So um, our primary next application is going to be referred to as Smart Alpha, and we've talked about Smart Alpha in our in our white papers to date. Um, we're, we're working on the final spec at the moment. Um, essentially kind of like uh, the 35,000 foot view on Smart Alpha is that it allows you to create senior and junior versions of ERC-20 assets um, that allow for kind of buffers to be created. Um, So in the case of a senior Smart Alpha tranche, you might see an an ERC-20 asset that has a specific amount of downside protection uh, relative to just the underlying. And so from a collateral perspective, right, that becomes really interesting because now you have a, a more pristine form of uh, that asset you can use for collateral. Um, and I think that'll be a very like powerful building block uh, for a lot of projects, right? Um, just because it'll, it kind of gives them the ability to um, both do treasury management, but now this collateral becomes even more valuable for an integration with, say, Cheetah, Right. Um, so that's what we're really excited um, about. And it's honestly what attracted me the most to BarnBridge when, when I first joined the community, just because I think it is such a compelling uh, building block. Um, so I, I think that's a, definitely a potential avenue for future collaboration as as we build that out. I yeah, it. for sure. I think, yeah.
0: Um, I
2: love it. Perfect. Um Let's see. I, I know that we're we're slightly slightly past time, and we want to respect respect your time because I'm sure you've got tons of things to do in a in a busy DeFi world. Um, so, how can the community help Barnbridge? Like, what can they do to uh, uh, help you achieve where you're trying to go?
1: Um, I mean, as we launch on Polygon, I think there's a lot of interesting avenues for, for people to use our products. And I would just ask that everyone like gives it a look, right? I mean, smart yield is going to be the first one that's live. And I think everyone will be interested in kind of getting fixed asset exposure or or fixed income exposure, um, especially in times of uncertainty, right? Like I think this summer will kind of be characterized by that. Um, you know, Everyone kind of sold in May and went away, so to speak. (laughs) Um, And so for folks that are sitting in stables, right, this could be a potential avenue uh, for earning yield on on your stable coins in a way that is a bit different than what you might normally be doing. Um, And then, of course, our Discord is always open. Um, So, you know, as you kind of interact with our applications on, on top of Polygon, we're always open to hear feedback and kind of get a sense for like where the pain points are, because we know where the pain points are on mainnet. And we're actively working to address those, but it'll be interesting to see if Polygon, you know, addresses a few of those or actually brings in, brings in new ones.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to know who, who would you like to hear from in one of these fireside chats, any projects or specific people?
1: So I, I did see that Kyber uh, just recently kind of announced it's uh Polygon move. Um, and I think they're a really good, um, you know, example of like a project that's been here since day one in DeFi um, and how a layer two solution can kind of like change kind of the, the landscape for them. Um, you know, just because I think on Ethereum mainnet with, you know, what kind of the gas situation like lent itself to one specific type of model being the model right which you know automated market making um and i think polygon as a layer two kind of opens up avenues for like new user behavior and thereby new market kind of like winners as a result to emerge um so i'm really interested to follow kind of like how kyber grows on polygon uh and see how that uh, kind of like differs from, uh, you know, what the experience on Mainnet has been. Um, and s- just seeing, like, you know, as an example, like, how that might play out and what the, the kind of, like, the removal of onerous gas fees does for what's possible.
0: So, yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely reach out to them and uh, call them out maybe on Twitter. Say, you know, Max Max sent us so... <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, really, really appreciate your time, Max. Uh, I think what you, what you will have over there at Barnbridge is really fantastic. Um, you know, I'm excited to uh, start to get to to use it. You said uh, two weeks, right? Guaranteed. Or, uh, Cro-
0: cross my I heart, heard a week, and, uh, <laughs> week and a half, man. <laughs> oh, you are very excited, no. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no,
1: we'll definitely keep people updated on how that goes. And thanks, just thanks, thanks. again for having me. Really Absolutely.
2: But where, where should they, where should they follow to keep updated on, on all of this? Is it just the discord or should they follow you on Twitter Barnbridge?
1: Yeah. So folks can follow us on, on Twitter at barn underscore bridge. Um, and we have the link to the discord there. Um, I would say 98% of activity happens in the discord. Um, we're pretty proud of that. Right. So, um, you can follow us there. And I also do maintain a weekly newsletter, uh, called barn burner. And you yeah. can find the link to that under my Twitter, which is my last name underscore max. Um, I don't know if I can write that in somewhere, so there, but,
2: uh, you mean this right here in the, at the yes, bottom? Yes,
1: exactly. There you go. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, and so between, between the newsletter and the discord, we try and keep everything, uh, You know, everyone is up to date as possible, right? We're very community first, and um, uh, we 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 mean that we put put in a lot of effort to keep it that way.
2: Yeah, no, we we can testify. Uh, Y'all have been fantastic. Even you know, with us, like from when we launched, and we were, uh, you know, we there's nobody nobody in our very small, yeah, (laughs) nobody in our discords or or Telegram to to today, which uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you again, Max. Uh, we will continue to chat. I loved some of your ideas on on how to collaborate. We will continue those conversations, and hopefully, the entire Chidau uh, and Barnbridge community will uh, have some uh, great things to look forward to.
1: Absolutely. All right, guys. I hope you have a good rest of your day. All right. Thank take
0: you. Bye bye. Bye everyone.